Stephen Hawking in 2007 explained it, quoting Einstein from his writings in Special and General Theory of Relativity, his paper on the combined two theories, explaining that you cannot prove that the Earth is spinning. They choose to believe in the Copernican principle because they have a religion. Hey guys, Sean from SGT Report here. That was Austin Witsit. So get this, they tell us a lone gunman murdered JFK and his brother. They tell us they put men on the moon and brought a dune buggy, but haven't gone back since. They tell us men in caves brought down three buildings on 9-11 with two airplanes and office fires. They tell us the vaccines are safe and effective, and in order to save the world, you need to own nothing. They claim the air is clean and safe in Ohio, and World War III over Ukraine is necessary. They say child sex trafficking is a myth, and that we're all just a random result of a big bang. They lied to get us into the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya. It seems to me that these known liars ought not be believed about anything they claim. So open your eyes, your ears, and your heart, and buckle up. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. We're technically at war and in a recession. Two things the government doesn't want you to know, but it's only a matter of time until the cracks start to show and you know who's going to get hit the most? You. That's why you need to protect yourself and your family because things are going to get worse before they get better. Fortunately, Noble Gold Investments is here to help you. There's always a risk of investment and no guarantee of any kind, so do your own due diligence. But you've worked too hard to build up your savings and investments to see it all crumble. Gold and silver from Noble Gold Investments are real possessions in times like these. Knowing you're outside the system, if and when it crashes, is a great feeling. And a surefire way to keep your money safe for your retirement is a precious metals IRA. Noble Gold Investments has been helping people just like you to keep their money safe for years with these IRAs. And this month, Noble Gold is giving away a Gold Eagle bullion coin with every qualifying IRA of $50,000 or higher. Make sure you don't get trampled. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey, friends, welcome back. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. It's Sean from sgtreport.com, thephaser.com, and thelibertymill.com. And guys, of course, you can find us over on Rumble. We are taking the game away from YouTube and crooked former CEO Susan Wojcicki, who, why did she have to resign suddenly? And we have a new guy over there, but nothing has changed. I think that's because the parent company, Google Alphabet, well, they're as crooked as the day is long, which is why they continue to burn books about the most challenging topics, including the one we're going to talk about today, the nature of this thing we live on. I have a new guest on the line. I was set up by Dave Weiss and Jaron, two buddies of mine who have been on in the past. Our new guest is Austin Witsit, and you can find him, yes, still on YouTube, although he's about to launch his Rumble channel. You can find him on YouTube, guys. The channel is Witsit Gets It. I'll leave a link below. Austin Witsit joins us right now. How you doing, Austin? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Hey, man, I have to tell you, I was sent a soundbite from David Weiss from an interview you did. I guess it would be best called a debate with Professor Bryant. I'm tempted to play a clip from that here, but uh, I've got you in the flesh. So very fascinating what you said to this man. And I'll paraphrase. Einstein, Hubble, Hawking, you can't prove the earth is moving from the earth is what they said. They can only provide geocentric models. They choose to believe in the Copernican principle because they have a religion. It's a belief system. Let me welcome you and tell us a little bit about your background. So I 
you know, I, I went to college but dropped out, so nothing special there. Um, but I just became somewhat infatuated with cosmology, I guess. Um, and I discovered that we seem to be in a position where we were misled about where we live. And um, it's a very interesting conversation because it has crazy implications. So I just kind of became uh, obsessed with it, I guess you could say. And now what I do is just try to raise awareness to that and other subjects. And I uh, recently traveled the United States for about a year uh, trying to raise awareness about the pandemic and um, the genetic modifications, if you will. So that's a little bit about me now. I just kind of, um, I do debates and try to raise awareness about the subject because uh, I think people would be surprised, uh, you know, that basically they've had their philosophical worldviews made for them and they think it's science. And I think that's the guise of science is the number one way that they brainwash us. So, uh, yeah, my motivation is just kind of pull back that, that veil. It's interesting you'd say that, pull back the veil, because I continue to say that this great awakening that we're going through is a version of the apocalypse, which is the lifting of the veil. And all of the lies that have been told for generations to we the people are starting to be revealed for what they are, lies. And I think maybe since we're going to be in the realm of woo today, deep woo, regarding the nature of the earth, I want to start with a soundbite from Dr. Peter McCullough about this similar situation, this brainwashing that seems to have occurred amongst a large portion of the population that seems unable to break their conditioning or their brainwashing regarding this bioweapon, which is now killing people in droves, more than a 40% rise in all-cause mortality globally. And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care, nobody seems to be able to tie it to the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine. So let's listen to this together. Then I'd really like your opinion on this, Austin. And then the people who've been damaged by the vaccines don't seem to care. So there's no outrage in general. And so, you know, I think we are far, far away from Nuremberg trials. People would actually have to care about what happens. And right now we see death after death. The families don't seem to care. It's, it's pretty easy to express outrage, and we, we just don't see it. We see public figures. No outrage, actually no recognition. Let me give you some examples. One, Deion Sanders, great uh, player for Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he takes the vaccines, pushing the vaccines, holding seminars, videos, pushing the vaccines. He develops blood clots. They shoot to his feet, and he loses toes, has amputations in the hospital, Nearly loses his leg. I think he had nine surgeries. He he has a family history of a blood clotting disorder, and that that's actually the setup for the vaccine to cause arterial blood clots. He makes an entire docu series, but he never mentions the vaccine. He never mentions the vaccine, like a complete oblivion. We had uh, Kirk Herbstreit, uh, ESPN announcer, uh, take the vaccines. Um, uh, get, co- get COVID, take the vaccines anyway, then develop blood clots, can't go to the NFL draft, what have you, and then, you know, never mentions it uh, again. We have Bruce Arians, former Tampa Bay Bucks coach, takes multiple vaccines, pushes the vaccines. He's hospitalized with myocarditis. Uh, weatherman Al Roker, uh, publicly vaccinated on TV, vaccinated, vaccinated, gets COVID, 
blood clots, hospitalized twice. No one's putting it together. Saying, wait a minute, I got took all these vaccines. I loaded my body with spike protein. Now the spike protein causes blood clots, causes heart damage. It's almost as if these people are in some type of, of trance, some type of oblivion. I'll pause it there. I'm coming back to my guest, Austin. You know, Dr. McCullough goes on to say the behavior of these people is so bizarre, it's completely without compassion, almost like people have been converted into some type of zombies. Do you see any parallels in this conversation about the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine with what you and I are about to talk about, Austin? I do, actually. I I think they parallel astoundingly because there's something that happens and people's mindsets where they kind of check out and reason and logic leaves. And it's, it's very similar because it is for one, the idea of fear. So like social acceptance or societal ostracism, uh, fear of not being accepted. And then the guise of scientism, as I call it. Um, cause you know, if you deny science, uh, then, you know, you, you get berated or whatever mocked. So it's something about the fear of not being socially accepted and not um, wanting to accept the uncomfortable feeling that comes with being lied to or misled. And also, and this is, I think, a big part of it, most people aren't bad people. And so they can't really conceive of the idea of such like subversion or manipulation. And so they really just don't want to believe that they could have been duped on such a massive scale. And then the next parallel, of course, would be once you stake your flag in defending the official narrative, uh, it's very difficult because of pride to ever walk it back, especially when you mocked or ridiculed the people that were trying to tell you about it. Um, so I do think they are very similar in that in that way. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm beating around the bush a little bit here, guys, because I know this is a challenging topic for many. But as I've said, and as I said in my first interview ever with, I think it was Crow and David Weiss, about this particular topic, I said, look, I am a globe, as we're told, skeptic. That is what the moniker is for me that I created, because Flat Earther, I think, gets thrown out with the baby in the bathwater pretty quickly these days. And uh, I just want to ask you first, before I play this clip, from you, by the way, because I think you hit a home run. What is, define for us the Copernican principle upon which this entire geocentric belief system lies? So the Copernican principle states that the earth does not occupy a special or unique position in the universe. Uh, So it's a philosophy that it would be illogical to think that the earth was special uh, out of the vastness or the assumed vastness of the universe, I should say. Um, So yeah, it's a philosophical idea that the earth is not special. Well, that's right. And uh, by definition, that would mean that we are not special, right? The belief system attached or associated with the Copernican model is that we are the random result of a big bang and we're not special at all. Not only is this thing we live on not special, neither are we. We're just the random result of stardust, correct? Exactly, exactly. And it has drastic implications. And in fact, Edwin Hubble addressed this very point blank where he says, uh, he says, we can never disprove the idea that the earth is in a central position akin to that that was once believed with ancient civilizations. Rather, we disregard the possibility at all costs, and we will only acknowledge it if we're forced to do so to save the phenomena 
uh, and we avoided it at all costs because of the horror of a special and unique position, uh, which has always really baffled me. But ba- basically, um, if you are in the center, then obviously it was placed there. And obviously that invokes intelligent design, which means that you were intelligently designed and that your life actually has quite a bit of purpose and importance. And so it is a massive philosophical implication here. Um, it's not as uh, simple as just, oh, you know, does the earth spin? It's, it's uh, philosophical implications that are pretty profound. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know I have you right here in front of me, so it seems a little goofy to play a soundbite of you. But look, even the best baseball players only hit home runs occasionally. So I think you hit a home run here. And I want to play this soundbite. Uh, first of all, before I do, who is Professor Bryant? Uh, former Professor BSMA, Professor of Physics uh, from, I believe it is, Georgia Tech. And uh, he had reached out wanting to have a conversation about uh, Flat Earth. And so we had a conversation about the Earth. And uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Okay, well, I'd remind people, you know, you said you're a college dropout, but uh, so are some of the richest men on Earth. A lot of the entrepreneurs, the biggest names out there, the richest people out there didn't go to college. And that's quite all right, because a lot of times these days, especially college is nothing more than Marxist brainwashing to a large degree. So I want to play this soundbite because you don't sound like a college dropout here to me at all, Austin. I'm going to really drive this home for the last three minutes. Einstein, Hubble, Hawking, Arthur Eddington, you name them, you name them, Wolfgang Pauli. They all explain, you can't prove that the earth is moving from the earth. You cannot including stellar aberration. And they will tell you point blank that they can create a model for you that explains alleged parallax, which doesn't actually happen, retrograde motion, stellar aberration, all in a geocentric model with the Earth stationary. And you cannot prove that it's spinning or revolving on the the Earth itself. It's impossible. Stephen Hawking in 2007 explained it, quoting Einstein from his writings in Special and General Theory of Relativity, his paper on the combined two theories, explaining that you cannot prove that the earth is spinning. They choose to believe in the Copernican principle because they have a religion that triggers people because they, they think they hate religion. They, they hate God oftentimes, but that is a religion. It's a belief system built upon the doctrine of men, void of empirical, verifiable evidence, and in fact, contrary and antithetical to the actual evidence. Despite what the evidence says, I just now read him point blank say it can never be disproven. We disregard that possibility because of the horror of a special and unique position, right? And I have plenty of quotes here from geocentrists or heliocentrists explaining, you can never prove it. You can't prove that the earth is stationary or that the earth is not stationary, but we don't want to believe that because that would mean the earth is special. Okay, I want to pause it right there. You said something so powerful. The horror of a geocentric model to these people. It's a horror to them because that would be an evidence of a creator. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if there's a creator, seemingly there is moral accountability. That's the only thing that I can understand out of that is that you were maybe uh, horrified at the idea of moral accountability or a linear code of ethics, moral objectivity. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's the idea that they're terrified that maybe... Uh, the earth is a special place that was specifically created for us and we are specifically created to inhabit it and uh, thus we're special with purpose but not without responsibility so yeah it seems it seems a philosophical bias against the idea of a creator 
you know, I only had two college professors that made me feel inspired out of all of the classes I took. There were some good professors, don't get me wrong, but only two rose to the top. One was a theater teacher. Will Denson was his name. And uh, the other one was uh, my journalism professor, Dr. Henry Lippold. May God rest his soul. And he's the one that told me, Sean, because I was very much into the idea of getting a uh, film degree, going to film school, uh, making movies. And he said, Sean, there's nothing more exciting than local politics. Politics on a local level is where it's at. You think city council meetings are boring? Go and see what these people are up to. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't really get in my face quite that much. But uh, I now understand that he was right. Everything that's important is hidden. But all the control we can take and take back is on a local level. So I'm ranting here a little bit. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is what you just said in that clip to Professor Bryant inspires me. Should we play more or where do you want to go from here? Because uh, I'd like to know what his response was. Uh, sure. Sure. I don't actually fully remember it, so I'm I'm uh, watching it myself. All right. We'll go back to that clip. You'd make an inspiring teacher or professor, especially for those nihilistic college students that are completely lost and ensnared by the uh, lie of Marxism and communism. So then what do we do? We go look out at the background distribution, the energy coming away from the earth. It shows the earth's in the center. So what do they do? They call it the axis of evil. Then they come up with a new idea. Well, oh, it does look like we're the center, but that must mean that no matter where you are in the universe, it would look like you're in the center or we're just in the center. They don't want to say what it is because it has spiritual implications. It has philosophical ramifications. And that is that the earth had to be placed there. It has a special unique position. They want, you, they want to believe that there are a tiny speck of dust in the ever-expanding universe of nothingness where everything came from nothing and there's a pre-existing energy. Let's not talk about that part. Oh, lightning struck primordial soup and all this nonsense. And, and you know, why? That's a good question, probably because they're scared of, like, moral accountability, I would guess. But this is the point. This is the problem. It's portrayed as science. And we're brainwashing and indoctrinated with this idea as if it is science and it's proven and it's not questionable. And you actually go look behind the curtain. It's philosophy. And they admit it. So I, that's why I gave the specific quotes and it was walked past. It's the crux of the whole issue. There is a philosophy that leads to atheism and nihilism and materialism portrayed onto the world as if it is in fact scientific fact. You can't prove that the earth is moving. If the earth is a ball that spins, which it objectively isn't, we falsified it, everything gives us the illusion that it's stationary. And this is what all of the astro astronomers and astrophysicists say that gave you the current model. Boy, I'll tell you what, it looks to me like that uh, Professor Bryant is really taking in what you're saying. He's certainly listening with a measure of respect. How did the rest of that call go? And then I want to make a point about something you just said. Frankly, I mean, he I don't think that he was uh, open to the conversation too much. But I will say it's probably pretty difficult, of course, you know, some college dropout and you're a former professor and uh, sitting there live in front of thousands of people. It's probably a difficult position to be in. But um. I've gone back and forth with him since then via email and stuff. I, I you know, he, he just fought it basically. But I will say that that aspect of my point and argument was never addressed. And it, and it pretty much never is addressed. Um, so unfortunately, he didn't really respond to that. But, uh, you know, the conversation went decently well. A lot of times the conversations in this uh, realm get very heated and disrespectful. And uh, he, he is not like that. So I tip my hat to him for that. You know, it was a professional conversation, but maybe not uh, so specific in response to my actual point. But hmm. Well, I want to comment on something you said in part of that clip. 
You talked about the primordial soup and the stuff that can never be talked about by these people in their belief systems. Where was the spark of life prior to the Big Bang? What was the first spark of life on this planet? And it reminds me of that documentary by Ben Stein called, I'm going off memory here, I think it's called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. And at the uh, throughout the film, he's interviewing uh, Professor Richard Dawkins, but at the end of the film, he really drills down to brass tacks with Dawkins and he won't let Dawkins off the hook. So much so that Ben Stein kept saying, okay, but what about before that? What about before that? And Dawkins would say, well, there must have been some single cell organism that through some event then was the seed of life that was sparked on this planet. And then Ben Stein would say, no, but before that, how did that single cell organism get here? And Dawkins, because he cannot grapple with the idea of a creator, of somebody speaking life into being, as the Bible would state, he then went to the idea of aliens, some other alien species that evolved by way of some Darwinian means must have then come here and sparked that first seed of life. And I always find that so fascinating that atheists, they can say they can leave room for aliens seeding life here, but they cannot possibly leave the door open, even a crack for the for the idea of a God, a loving God or a creator making this thing that we live on and creating life on this planet, despite the complexity that we know exists in just human DNA. Well, that that sums it up right there that you that all of a sudden when back into the corner you'll invoke an intelligent designer as long as it's not a loving caring god that we already have been told about <laughs> you know um yeah it's very it's very fascinating i remember watching that and uh i i guess I, I don't understand how people don't see that's a contradictory position if you end up having to invoke intelligent design um then your entire motivation has now been contradicted anyway but i think we do know what it is and again it goes to moral accountability and uh i guess the funniest part of it to me is that they say god of the gaps a lot to dismiss uh creationists but they just ignore the gaps and they have a their belief requires way more faith and that's why i call these things religions and I know that it's a, a polarizing term or whatever, but it is to, by definition, other than the implication of theism, it is a religion. And so if I have to believe that everything came from nothing, but with no determination, no intention, no intelligent design, I can't explain how. And then lightning struck primordial soup and rocks turned into fish that grew some feet. And we're like, man, this water's whack. Let me turn into humans after I'd become a rat and all this crazy. It's just crazy science fiction religion. Um it's just fascinating to me that people people don't realize that that takes more faith to believe in that, and it's 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 always this inner turmoil battle of like uh, being held accountable to a creator. I think so. Um, and I I think all all the stuff that we're dealing with in the world boils down to this. It is scientism being used to prop up atheism, thus nihilism and apathy, and. Uh, you can clearly see where our society is headed right now because of the lack of acknowledgement of a creator. At least that's how I see it. Let's uh, take a little bit of a turn here. Let's go back to the history briefly and talk about Nicholas Copernicus. And I'm going off memory here. Did he die in the mid was it 15th century? Was it? Uh, yes. 1500s. Okay. And uh, was it the Catholic church? Was it the Vatican that put him up to coming up with creating this geocentric model? And if I have it correct, didn't he pretty much disavow what he came up with and it was only released after his death? Do I have that right at all? Um, well, specifically, Galileo had the big uh, conflict with the Catholic Church 
and uh, building upon the Copernicus principle and uh, his theory. And of course, yeah, Galileo specifically did disavow it on his deathbed, uh, but that letter's basically been scrubbed and they actually went as far as to erase his signature, from my understanding. Um, but all of it, it, it all does have a history with the Catholic Church um, and them shuffling their feet away uh, from geocentrism, geocentrism to heliocentrism, because that was a big debate uh, back in the day. Um, I've never really understood why the church did that. There is a very good documentary I'll plug, though, uh, for the full history of the heliocentric model and all of that. Uh, it's called Helio Sorcery, and it's it's very well documented um, because there's so much to it. These people were actually sun-worshipping occultists openly. They were alchemists and sorcerers that worshipped the sun, and that is where you get heliocentrism from. And uh, that is, of course, by definition, a religion. So, Yeah, it is. It's a religion just like uh, those that worship at the altar of Big Pharma. And I want to ask you about proofs of this woo-woo. And then I want to turn and talk about NASA, the moon landings. As you may know, I've interviewed Bart Sabrell, a documentary filmmaker who made the movie uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon and Astronauts Gone Wild. So I want to talk about the moon, the moon landings here in a second, but uh, proofs. When it comes to proofs of the woo-woo that we're talking about, for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, I always like to point to the Suez Canal, which is roughly 120 miles in length, but you can see essentially what might be a satellite photo of that area of the world. You can see 30, 40, 50 miles beyond it in either direction. So we're talking about maybe 180, 200 miles of absolute flatness, wherein we know based on the heliocentric model and their math, 24,900 mile globe Earth, there's got to be more than a mile of curve hiding in the Suez Canal, but it doesn't just end there. It continues in perpetuity to create a basketball. And that seems lost on even the closest people to me in the Internet world that will email me and say, but I know a pilot, but I know a guy who worked for NASA, but my uncle was an astronaut. Right. I'm just asking people to look at that 200 miles of flatness and help me understand where they're hiding all the curve. In your view, what are some of the best proofs of what you might argue is a Earth that is not a globe? Yeah, I, I think the number one uh, proof or evidence is long distance observations. Like you're saying, the, the globe Earth makes a very specific prediction based on the radius value. And there has to be a hump, if you will, of curvature blocking our view. I think that no one knows what it's like to live on a ball. So we don't really know what it would look like. And we've kind of just associated the earth with that. But there would be immense amount of physical obstruction all around us. And so I think that's one of the number ones, long distance observations. We saw Can the Canagoo Mountains 255 miles away. And the top of the mountain should be obstructed by an additional mile of curvature above it. And we can see them and we can see when the sun sets beneath it. So long distance observations falsifying the radius value is the most efficient way to test the claim um, because if the radius value is wrong, the entire model is wrong because it's all built upon the R value. Um, I will say I do have the same experience as you where people really don't want to go to the heart of the issue uh, and they'll say stuff like, yeah, I've been in a plane and not knowing that the globe model claims you actually wouldn't see curvature of the earth from a plane. You would have to be way higher to see left to right curvature. Um, another one of the best ways to test it are long distance laser tests. Uh, we've actually shot lasers horizontally over frozen lakes and over large bodies of water. 
uh, even connecting the lasers um, with direct horizontal relays, and they go far beyond where the Earth should curve and block the laser. Uh, there, there are many tests, though, because what you find out is the entire military wouldn't be able to function without knowing the Earth is a plane. Uh, their radar systems, uh, they just now signed a military contract where a radar goes up to 1,000 kilometers uh, horizontal propagation. Uh, you know, this is impossible. That Basically, what they just say is, well, we'll treat the Earth to be flat in all their documents. Uh, you you couldn't, couldn't use radar on a globe if you were using it as if it was flat. You also have rail guns that shoot up to 100 miles, and it's completely classified. They won't release the specifics, but that, of course, would be impossible with electromagnetic horizontal propagation. They have weapon systems in the military, electromagnetic weapon systems, uh, ground towers that use the Earth to be a dielectric plane. So long-distance radio transmissions also debunk the claim that the Earth is a globe with that size. Uh, like Marconi first just did this and shot a radio transmission 2,200 miles. Everyone told him it won't work because the Earth's curvature will block it at just 200 miles. He's like, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And he successfully shot it 2,000 miles. And since then, we've shot it over 10,000 miles. So there's a few. And of course, there are uh, quite a bit more. But Yeah, that's super interesting. And uh, it just uh, makes me think of the brainwashing that has happened to all of us since birth, be it a globe in the classroom when you're a young kid or I'll play something here for you in a second, or the brainwashing that we see, of course, in movies, in the opening of movies, and when we go to the theme parks for these same uh, controllers. Take a look at this, and I want your opinion. Okay, so that's Universal Studios in California. So the brainwashing goes far and wide, and nobody ever questions this. I mean, that looks like a pretty extreme curve to me. And uh, by the way, when we look at some of the flat earth maps, the sizes of the continents that we see displayed here on the globe model, they don't add up. They don't make any sense at all. I mean, at all. Do you want to comment on any of that? Yeah, sure. So actually what's funny is Universal, if you look it up, they put the logo of exactly what the globe supposedly looks like uh, long before they even claim to have gone and actually verified in space that it looks like that. Um, so it is just conditioning, conditioning uh, you know, predictive programming, like the typical procedure that they use to get you to believe lies um yeah and when it the discrepancies really come in the south uh the south will be different on a plane than on a globe and uh it, interesting enough we you know majority of the world lives in the north and most people don't realize that like over 90 percent of the world's population lives in the north quote-unquote hemisphere and uh there is no sphere of course but that's how they've hidden this because no one lives in the south and its vastness of oceans so the the continents are slightly different the, the layout is what is interesting and we can't actually get all the way past the 60th south latitude to even test it similar to the hunger games they seem to have drawn a circle around us and you know if no one knows there's a circle drawn around them then it's a perfect prison right i guess the best slave would be one who thinks he's free and basically, we're just kind of trying to wake up the other people inside the circle and let them know the circle's there. Um, but it's a more difficult task than one may think. Yeah, it's an enormous task because, again, we're dealing with brainwashing since birth. That is a very difficult thing. Imagine if you were born into a cult. How hard is it for you to break the conditioning of being in that cult? It's extremely difficult. It's even extremely difficult for parents 
of young people, teenagers or young adults who get drawn into a cult. It's hard for the family to break that person out of the cult. All right, I want to take this one step further and discuss NASA and animations. Everything that we've ever seen coming from NASA regarding the nature of this thing we live on is an animation. And I want you to comment on that. And it's roughly akin to this animation we're about to see here, which is the new Universal Studios opening to movies. Everybody's seen this. It's quite powerful, though. And imagine the conditioning that this leaves on the audience. I'll be the first to say that that is a thrilling open. I love the music. You're in a dark theater. You're ready to see a great movie. You're excited. This has all the components of everything you would need to buy into a beautiful illusion, which is what movies are. And what we just saw there is nothing more than an animation. And I guess my question for you, Austin, is why in the world can't NASA just put a high definition camera on the moon and show us this thing we live on in real time? That is a great point that I've been asking for a long time. Uh, I will also agree with you that it's very captivating, you know, so I I, do, I understand that it is very uh, captivating imagery, but you would just, I agree. Why would we not have, we would be able to see the earth being a globe that we live on from space constantly. They would have put uh, cameras on the moon and we would have 24 seven 4k live streams of the earth from space. We would have eclipses from the outside. We would have videos of people in space with stars everywhere. You never get any of these things. And uh, all you ever get, admittedly, is CGI, computer-generated images. And, you know, that it's basically cartoons for adults, I call it. But until you realize it, you just have no reason to question it. Um, and, you know, you're, you're dealing with a, a lifetime of indoctrination of these, these images. I want to ask you about NASA, the Apollo missions, the moon itself. What is the moon, the construct of the moon? And one aside and a way to get into this conversation is to ask you your thoughts on Joe Rogan. He used to be very, very outspoken about the moon landings. He had concluded that they had been hoaxed. He cited numerous points of evidence, multiple points of evidence. There's much more evidence to prove that they faked the moon landings than there is to prove they actually went to the moon in 1969, 70, 71, early 72. Joe Rogan has backed away from all of that. Do you think that's because the CIA or somebody got to him, or is it just a ramification of signing a $100 million contract and becoming very wealthy and you have to toe the line? So get into this any way you'd like. Yeah, very interesting. I don't know. I, I mean, we've even talked to people close to him, and they don't seem to know the answer to that either. But um, it is funny that he named all this like damning evidence against the moon landing claims and then neil degrasse tyson comes on there and says oh well it would have been more difficult to fake it than to do it and all of a sudden he's convinced the moon landing's real so i I think that he wouldn't have been allowed into the position he's in right now if he had not have walked it back if he had not stopped having eddie bravo talk about it so much and uh i think it's about as simple as that as to whether or not the cia came to him or not i actually don't even think that that would be necessary i think that money and status alone will get people to, uh, you know, bend on their convictions. And so I kind of lean that way. I guess it's possible, but he kind of talks reckless about other things. So I think it's more of a, well, they intervene 
and tell him that they'll lose their con- he'll lose their contracts if he doesn't walk certain things back. Okay. And what do you think are some of the best evidences that they did fake the moon landings? Again, I've had Bart Sabrell on. We've talked about the possibility of Stanley Kubrick being involved in at least part of the faking of this thing early on. What do you think? uh, What is the moon, too, by the way? What is the construct of the moon? Is it a plasma ball? Is it real? Can we physically set foot on it, even if we had the tech to get there, which I don't think we do? Yeah, I 100% don't think that you could walk on it, but I don't know because, you know, I, I don't have access to it, but if you uh, you did mention Crow Triple Seven, if you've ever seen his uh, lunar wave documents or documentation, it's very fascinating. It seems plasma-like in nature. Um, we can actually replicate uh, magnetic holography, so like a holographic projection that looks as if you could touch it. You can replicate the crater look, the the cycles, the color changes, the texture appearance. Um, but it's actually not there. You can walk up and put your hand right through it. It's very fascinating. We, we can replicate it on a small scale. I think it is seemingly plasma-like, and the lunar waves seem to be evidence for that, as well as actually occasionally seeing stars and planets through the moon, um, which is quite fascinating. So I don't think it's something that you can walk on, and I think that people kind of then accepted the idea that we're on a sphere because, well, you know, people are walking on a sphere up there, then we could be doing it here. I think that was the primary purpose of the, the lie personally. But um, I, yeah, the moon landing was clearly fake. And, it, you know, I think anyone that truly looks into it, honestly, will see that. Uh, and I don't think they'll ever even lie about going back personally. So speaking of the moon and the faked moon missions, uh, again, when I've had Sabrell on, he now claims that he has a, a deathbed whistleblower confession from a man who was the head of security at this uh, base in Arizona where they shot the first faked moon landing. And then in addition to that, we have all the research that's been done about Stanley Kubrick's rear screen technology, his rear screen projection technology, which he used in uh, the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, especially at the beginning of the movie where you see the apes, the ape men. That's all men in costumes. And he wasn't even nominated for a costume Oscar because the people that were involved in the Academy Awards believed those to actually be apes, not men in costumes. Uh, And he used rear screen projection there to make it look like this was actually happening in the world when, in fact, it happened in a studio. We can see the same parallax and division where the moon ends and the rear screen technology backdrop would begin in the Apollo moon landing videos. Do you have any comment on any of that? Yeah, that's you're on point. That sounds uh, exactly correct. They use the same exact technology uh, and Stanley Kubrick seems to have many connections to it. And as to that uh, security guard testimony passed down to his son, I believe it was on his deathbed, is very fascinating um, in that it was like a highly secure uh, warehouse that no, that he had to like basically prevent people from coming in and out of unless approved. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it was just a film and... Uh, you know, it's worked for 50 years. They haven't really had to replace it again. But I think you're on point with the technology, because if you look at 2001 Space Odyssey, of course, film of the year right before that, uh, you could see that they could very clearly fake it and seemingly just didn't fake it quite as good as the movie to make it more realistic. Friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. Silver has been valued for its beauty and rarity for centuries. But did you know it also plays a vital role in modern industry and tech? According to Noble Gold Investments CEO Colin Plume, who I just interviewed recently, silver could be the new oil. From electronics to solar panels, demand for silver is only set to rise. 
That's why investing in a silver IRA from Noble Gold Investments is a smart choice for those looking to secure their financial future. With a Noble Gold Investments Silver IRA, you can invest in physical silver coins or bars and take advantage of its unique properties as both a precious metal and industrial commodity. Not only does a Noble Gold Investments Silver IRA provide a hedge against inflation and market volatility, it also allows you to diversify your portfolio with an asset proven to hold its value over time. And this month, you'll get a beautiful Silver Eagle coin with every qualifying IRA of $20,000 or higher. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com to get started. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. All right, I want to do another screen share here and get your comments. I've really studied this footage because I think one of the smoking guns of these Apollo missions that prove they faked it is the lunar lander. I'm not going to break it. Now, I'll bring the volume down. Let's just talk about this. So, first of all, if we're to believe that men set foot on the moon with that technology that they say they've since lost, and it would be a painful process to build it back again, according to NASA, they've destroyed or lost all the technology that got us to the moon. But if we are to believe that this was shot in some warehouse studio soundstage, I would have to say that this is some of the most impressive footage, certainly at the time that has ever been recorded. And even now I would say it really stands up to some measure of scrutiny because that is such a gigantic studio. But the smoking gun is we're to believe they brought that dune buggy on that little thing that you see behind it, the lunar lander, and it folded up neatly into the lunar lander. Does that make any sense to you at all? No, I have heard the apologist position, but they basically claim it all just folds in, uh, in this, uh, like incredibly impressive way. We've never seen it actually fold in. And or, yeah, or be removed from the lunar lander. Can you imagine being on the moon and in a spacesuit and your life is on the edge? Literally, the vacuum of space on the exterior of that spacesuit marks your death. And they've got the time to unpack a dune buggy from that damn thing, which is a tinfoil <laughs> wrapped joke. There was a dune buggy in it. They took the time to get the dune buggy off and then just tool around the moon. I mean, I think this is a lot like Fetterman as a senator, right? This is a lot like Biden as a president. This is all part of the humiliation ritual. They wanted us to believe this, and the American public did. The world did. Yeah, I agree, actually. I agree that it has something to do. It's. I think it's psychologically very effective to put it out right in front of you, revelation of the method. Um, and that often seems to overlap with the idea of a humiliation ritual, basically. So I, I think that they, if they, they also adhere to natural law. When I say they, it doesn't really matter who it is, but it's a, it's a well-known principle uh, that you know, if you show someone what you're, you're tricking them with, and they choose to believe it, that basically you remove uh, consequences of self. So, yeah, I, I just can't even look at the moon landing. What the, the craziest part is when I went around the country and I talked to many different younger people about the moon landing, most of them would say, yeah, it's probably real. And I would show them the footage and they had never seen it. And they thought I was like trolling them. They thought that that's not really the footage. So it's pretty impressive that they pulled the lie off because no one under the age of 30 thinks it looks real. Right. So I, I don't even know how they've managed to pull it off, honestly. It's like a myth handed down from generation to generation, right? Since the late 60s. Everybody bought the myth at the time that it was uh, essentially rebroadcast through a straw to people at home. I mean, literally, they shot less than SD video, right? These old cameras, these TV cameras they had. They shot video off of 
a video feed that was already a secondhand video feed from whatever the source was. So it was video being shot off a NASA screen, which was video all degraded from the original source, all on purpose. And even today, all of that stuff has been lost. The telemetry data, lost. The blueprints for the lunar lander, lost. The blueprints for the Apollo rockets, lost. Everything's been conveniently lost. And if you and I were in a court trying to convince a jury of evidence of a crime, I think losing all the evidence of what you say you claimed you did is probably evidence of a crime in my view, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's for very uh, specific reasons. We could test all of it. When you when you claim you're landing on a spinning uh, orbiting rock with no atmosphere, uh, you, you're making very specific claims of physics as to how you could physically even land on the surface of the moon, maintain orbit around it. If we were given the schematics, and the telemetry data as to exactly how they were supposedly doing that and the specifics of a lunar lander, we could pull it apart based on objective physics. And there is no you know, wiggling out of physics. So the safest bet was to just remove it. Um, and yeah, just like you said, I don't know how that wouldn't be a sign of guilt. It is absolutely a sign of guilt. And uh, I just want to show folks this. Uh, yeah, I've showed it a million times. The lunar lander. Somebody explain to me where exactly that rover, that dune buggy fits into this thing. And by the way, I'm not sure how this particular device we're seeing here. And I've seen a model of it at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's smaller than people might think. And it is essentially made out of paper mache, masking tape, and curtain rods to the degree that this thing is real. I, I don't understand how this would withstand the vacuum of space. And I really don't understand how you put a dune buggy in this. Do you? I do not. Like I said, I've heard they said they folded up, but it's just a claim. And I've always thought this was hilarious. It looks like you just gave like a tweaker a Home Depot card or something. And I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like they are trolling us with the Lunar Lander. So. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I, I, I've i never uh, seen any evidence that uh, the buggy would have actually folded up or how it folded up or a video of it or that it could fit in there or anything like that. And according to what they said, uh, the astronauts could barely even move inside that thing. They had no extra space whatsoever. I think that they had just folded up some buggy and crammed it in there is pretty absurd. It is beyond absurd. And I think a good segue here to uh, maybe our last topic is back to the idea of the spiritual nature of what's going on here. Have you studied the occult roots of NASA, Jet Propulsion Labs, uh, Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, Alistair Crowley, any of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very, very occultic in nature. Uh, they were doing actual seances and rituals and they documented them. Um it's all very interesting because, you know, Operation Paperclip and you have Werner von Braun and that's who actually was put in charge of space exploration, of course, at NASA. And you look into what really was going on with the Nazis. They were obsessed with Gnostic esoteric ritualistic beliefs, and it seems to all be interconnected. And why would you call the mission to the moon Apollo anyway? Well, it's because they're sun worshipers. And that's the actual truth. They, they worship the sun, but the sun is uh, symbolic of the embodiment of enlightenment. Right. And so that's why they are sun worshipers. And uh, yeah, basically, you could say Luciferians. So they they perform very specific meta metaphysical rituals built upon the idea of sorcery and, uh, you know, Helios worship, which is enlightenment of oneself, apotheosis of oneself. And so when you look into their literature, it's just pretty crazy. And that's that's going to explain to you why everything NASA does is named after different Greek deities. Well, 
you just hit the nail on the head as I'm about to share this, and it really speaks to the nature of their mocking the one true God, right? They don't love God. They hate the creator. And I'm not saying everybody at NASA. I would say most people at NASA probably don't understand the big picture. It's all compartmentalized, I think, to a large degree. But Artemis in Greek religion is the goddess of the moon, chastity, hunting, and the moon. So what do you make of the new missions to the moon? They're telling us Artemis is going to get us to the moon in coming years with men on board. We're going to land on the moon. We're going to build a base, and then we're going to go to Mars. That sounds really possible, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm... Uh... I'm super all over the place with what I think is going to go on with that. I just don't see how they could feasibly fake it in 2023. And if you look at the first Artemis test mission, it was a joke. You know, it looks like a five-year-old could have made it uh, on TikTok nowadays. So I don't really see how they're going to actually, I think they may fake an accident or something to justify the inability to go there. I don't, I don't see them doing it, but maybe, but they've also pushed it back, what, 20 times now. So we'll see. But of course, the Artemis is it's all about their like their religion. And then NASA is a front for a religious motivation. And the last when they launched the Artemis, you may not know this. When they launched the Artemis mission, the guy actually narrating said uh, and the rocket left and sh and picked the earth up by its edges and shook it of the wickedness, which is, of course, a Bible verse. So it's uh it's direct mockery of the scriptures specifically, and uh, they have like a Luciferian religion. Um, and I, I don't know where they're gonna go from here when it comes to the the lies about the Artemis mission, but we'll have to sit back and see. Yeah, they'll just keep moving the date as they've done for more than three, four decades. Because remember, guys, we're told we set foot on the moon in 19, was it 71, 72 was the last year, I think, Austin. Is that right? That's 72, yeah. All right. Well, here we have George Bush Jr. Oh, my God. Follow the bloodlines. His father was once the director of the CIA and became president. His great-granddad, Prescott Bush, was once involved in the attempted coup of the U.S. government with his international criminal banker buddies. Follow the bloodlines. So here we have Bush Jr. talking about returning to the moon no later than 2014. They would yeah. conduct their first, listen to this, the first craft to explore beyond Earth orbit since the Apollo days. The spacecraft would be developed and tested by 2008 and conduct its first manned mission no later than 2014. They just keep bumping the date, Austin, while siphoning billions of dollars a day from the taxpayers. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. Actually, I didn't even know George Bush said that. It's so funny, but. Yeah, they've pushed it back for pretty much every president has mentioned that we're going to go back to the moon since JFK. Pretty much every single president. And they just keep pushing it back. And like you said, siphoning the, the tax money. They don't they don't push back the budget. Um, so, yeah, it's very fascinating. I'm actually launching something called uh, NASA audits and it's at auditnasa.com where we're going to. Uh, you know, actually pursue getting them to put their money where their mouth is. We'll see. We'll see how it works, but they should be verifying their claims. But um, yeah, it's just a crazy. I think it's deeper than tax money because they they get way more money than that in other ways. But it is very fascinating that they can just make the promise every few years, and everyone just is cool with it. You know, as we part ways here, just another couple of concepts to discuss. First of all, trillions of dollars missing from the Pentagon. 
Okay, we first learned about that the day before 9-11 when Rumsfeld said $2.1 trillion in transactions cannot be accounted for. The next day, the budget office and the auditors in the Pentagon were all killed by whatever hit the Pentagon. And I can assure you, friends, it was not a Boeing airplane. And since trillions of dollars continue to go missing from the Pentagon, it's all a looting. It's a great looting. And if there's good news, Austin, and there's not a lot of good news here, but if there's good news, it's that the unveiling, the Great Awakening is happening. So what these people do in darkness and they rely on our ignorance for decades is starting to change. People are starting to wake up, which brings me to the possibility of Project Bluebeam, a fake alien invasion, fake UFO invasion. Werner von Braun warned his assistant, Karen Rosen, many times in the four years before he died. He said, Carol, the last card, the last card that they will play is a fake extraterrestrial threat. Don't believe it. It's all a lie. Do you think that they could possibly? I think they could, actually. People are so stupid and dumbed down at this point. Not my audience, not your audience, but people in general, as that clip from Dr. Peter McCullough will attest, people are so dumbed down that I think they could get away with it because of the holographic technology and potentially vehicles, anti-gravitational vehicles that they do have, technology that they do have. They could really hoodwink humanity with Project Bluebeam, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've actually seen quote-unquote UFOs multiple times. So I know they exist. Of course they exist. So the, uh, the Nazis had them in the 30s, electrogravitic propulsion. So that alone would get most people, right? And they're kind of conditioning people with this idea of UFOs right now where the Pentagon's acknowledging it and they're supposedly shooting them out of the sky. And then, like you said, you nailed it. They use holographic technology to imitate uh, texture and dimension of objects in the sky. So they could do all kinds of things regarding uh, Project Bluebeam. They also have the technology to basically uh, make it sound like someone's talking to you, but you not know where it's coming from. Uh, they've talked about doing this to imitate, you know, Allah in the Middle East to combat religious terrorism and stuff. So I, I think they definitely have the technology to do it. Yeah, yeah, they do. Direct to skull voice of God technology. That is absolutely right. And they're harassing people all over the world with this type of technology now, too. So these technologies do exist. And uh, we just need to warn the audience, as Werner von Braun said, it's the last card they will play. And it's all a lie. And just one last thing I'd leave you with. Have you ever looked at Werner von Braun's tombstone, Psalms 19, verse 1? Yes, absolutely. That the firmament shows the handiwork of the creator. I think that this is why what we're discussing right now is why it's so important that we wake up to the true nature of where we are. Because when people wake up to that lie, they're not going to fall for the idea that something came from outside of here. It's just like his tombstone says, uh, there's a firmament that contains this place. And, uh, you know, it protects you effectively. It, it's like a little terrarium. So, uh, yeah, I, would, I, I hope that people can kind of get to where they understand that. And then this uh, potential deception would have no power. That's why it does seem to be a very important truth to pursue. You know, I always enjoy having conversations with all of my guests, but I have to say this is always one of my favorite topics. I love this area of woo because it touches so many other areas. It touches everything, doesn't it? I mean, if we don't understand the nature of who we are and how we got here, we don't understand anything. And if we don't understand anything, they can sell us anything. They can sell us any lie. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this is uh, anyone that's woken up to this. Uh, it's it's a very uh, spiritually impactful uh, truth. Because like you said, it kind of is the umbrella for everything else and and not knowing where you are and thinking that you're just lost and not understanding anything and 
everything you see is the opposite of the truth and you need authority to help you explain your everyday experience uh, puts you in a state to where you're you're easily manipulated um and and yeah I, I think that we are on the brink of the mass awakening though we're starting to see it and they may fight it for a while but i don't i don't really think that they can prevent it i think it's out of their control you know, Alex Jones just released a video the other day, I think it was on Sunday, called The Chain Reaction. And uh, he was responding to Woody Harrelson being on SNL and calling the cartel out, the drug cartel, and uh, basically talking about a fictional movie script he was reading, which was the drug cartel bought up all the politicians, governments, and media, and the drug cartel forced everybody to shelter in place and stay at home unless people took the drug cartels drugs, in which case they could return to a somewhat normal life. And people are waking up in droves to this lie. Maybe not the folks Peter McCullough's talking about, but Woody Harrelson being on SNL and uh, Alex Jones talking about the chain reaction. I think you're right. I think I'm right. I think we're at a tipping point here. And it is the great awakening, isn't it? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I think that we, as some of us who have kind of seen through it from the beginning, instead of having this told you so mentality, even though it is difficult, not to be really frustrated with the people that we've been trying to wake up, uh, they're going to start waking up too. And I think it's kind of our responsibility to uh, unify with them, if at all possible. Um, like that's kind of Jaron and I's idea with the summit. It's like to unify a bunch of people that, that are in the process of waking up and help us to see the bigger truths and to pursue solutions to some of the issues that may have arisen from people taking this bio weapon um, that, you know, instead of just kind of, focusing on what it can do to you let's figure out how like as uh as people as a whole we can come together to fix the problem whether it be ways to detoxify or whatever it is um because those people are going to wake up too and i i think that we have kind of like the moral responsibility as the people that saw through the lie to help them kind of get to where we're going and uh yeah i think it's inevitable i think that we are watching it happen and it's again, I think that truth is out of their control. They can just delay it. I couldn't agree more. And uh, a result of them trying to delay this awakening is them getting more and more desperate and more and more sloppy, which allows us to wake up more and more people. I want you to talk about the True Earth Summit here in a second and uh, give people the dates and how they can find that. But just one last thing I want people to think about. And uh, Austin, I want your response to this. When we think of the Suez Canal and that 200 miles of territory of land, right? And we think about the 24,900 mile Earth model, which is their math. I always like to make the point. That's not my math. It's not Aaron's math. It's not David Weiss's math. It's not Jaron's math. It's their official math. They're tied to it. You're not. I'm not. Neither are researchers that can now see much further distances than we ought to be able to see. I just want to leave the audience with this thought that if you imagine that Suez Canal, rather than it being a shipping canal, imagine it being a highway that just went on perpetuity around the entire globe. If the globe model is accurate, if you were in a car on that highway, regardless of which direction you went, you would always be going down. Always in order to complete the sphere. I want people to think about that because where in our daily experience of driving anywhere, even if it's across the country, where do we have the experience of constantly going down over a hill? I've never had that experience. It doesn't exist within my physical existence on planet earth, Austin. Yeah, that's, that's correct. I, uh, the entire thing that I would encourage people to do is just to re-examine what they have experienced. Like you're discussing just they, there will be an apologist answer for everything. It's just so big. You can't feel it. You can't see it. You can't tell. Well, if something else is moving, it could actually be you moving. 
they're, they're, they have an apologist answer for everything, but just like actually re-examine your experience. And what you're going to find out is that all of it has always been right in front of you. And you, you know, you actually know where you live. Uh, you had to be convinced otherwise. And I think that even on just the intellectual perspective, uh, well, you use Occam's razor, that which requires the least amount of assumptions. You apply logic and you start with the empirical evidence. And if you're going to believe something counter to that, it's going to have to fulfill a burden of evidence to actually suggest, suggest that what you actually experience is incorrect. Instead of looking at it the opposite way, if people can adopt that mentality, uh, you'll see the truth pretty quickly and you'll be left with nothing but what your experience is. Well, I've got a great audience, and uh, I would assume most of them are still with us here. Some people, of course, sign off right at the beginning as soon as they uh, understand the nature of the topic. Uh, a lot of closed minds out there regarding this topic, which I understand. My mind was closed early on, too. My contributor early on at SGT Report, Rory, he used to like to post videos about Flat Earth. And very early on, I said, Rory, you've got carte blanche. You know that. You can post anything you want. I trust you, but not flat earth stuff. That's obviously a CIA op. That was my belief system early, early on. Then I talked to my friend, Sophia Smallstorm. She opened up my eyes a little bit. I talked to David Weiss. Then we had that conversation. And uh, that's when I coined the term for me, globe, as we're told, skeptic. And for those who are skeptical about this topic, tell us about the True Earth Summit. When is it and who's going to be a part of it? Yeah, so the summit is uh, March 17th and 18th, right around the projected dates for the Equinox. It's called the True Earth Equinox Summit, uh, hosted by me and Jaren from Jaronism. Uh, and it's just a bunch of presentations, a bunch of truthers giving presentations about a huge spectrum of subjects, um, with the central theme being attaining like harmony and balance and equilibrium within yourself and, uh, you know, overcoming deception. Uh, we have Chris Crum and Jaron, Zachary Zabala, Irulan Dushi, Crow Triple Seven, and Jason Lingren, who are obviously legends. Um, we have Clara from Spirit Vehicle, Amanda Vollmer, Marty Leeds, Dave Murphy, David Avocado Wolf, uh, Mellow Dome, Caleb and Derek, Brian from High Impact Flicks, uh, Max Freeman, Bro Sanchez, and then we have uh, comedy from Sam Tripoli from the Tinfoil Podcast, as well as I will also be doing a presentation. So it's two days of presentations. Um, you get a virtual gift bag uh, with all kinds of truther uh, companies with products and service discounts. So you get hooked up in lots of ways with that and uh, different little goodies. We, we don't want to reveal all of them right now. And you get to see two days of presentations where people just come together and present all kinds of truth. Uh, it's, it's very cool. The first summit was incredible because so many people coming together to look towards the future like as opposed to dwelling on the negativity, like formulating plans of how to put ourselves in a position to succeed in the future. So it's uh, it's a very uh, valuable uh, summit. I truly believe that. I'm not just saying that. Um, and you can go to temms.live to see everything. You have frequently asked questions and you can see the schedule. You can see each about the different speakers. Um, so yeah, temms.live and that's March 17th and the 18th. Excellent. All right, guys, I will leave a link below for those interested. And uh, I really appreciate your time today in the conversation, Austin. I'll uh, call out your YouTube channel one more time. Wits It Gets It on YouTube. Send me a link to that, will you? And I'll leave a link below. Okay, will do. All right, friends, thanks so much for tuning in. A special thank you to our subscribe stars. As always, the links are below and I'll remind you every single day for free. Join us directly at thephaser.com thelibertymill.com and sgtreport.com. Guys, those are sources for real news. 
the antidotes to corporate propaganda and all of those mockingbird mainstream media lies. May God truly bless you and your family. Bye-bye. Rare types of liver cancers, as well as brain and liver, um, lung cancers, leukemia, lymphoma. Um, and these are human carcinogens with multiple toxic effects in humans and animals, uh, including an increase in breast cancer incidence in men and women, as well as shorter lifespans. You know, these toxins also produce a lot of free radicals. So it is a cover up to, you know, maybe all of a sudden people are getting cancers from these accidents that are happening um, or, you know, to cover up the cancers that are happening happening from the vaccines we or bioweapons, we don't know. It's they're following the agenda 2030 and they want to change the whole makeup. Just kind of like going back to what Obama said, right? They're going to completely change what the United States is. That's their whole goal.